0: You are listening to another episode of the Yorts Resilience podcast and I am your host Emma Ward, a counsellor and life coach from Positive Outlooks. This podcast is inspired by the feeling that I get on a weekly basis from working with clients and being in awe of their stories of resilience. Over time I've felt drawn to share these stories on this platform and I hope these stories provide you with the motivation to conquer the challenges within your own life. To listen to more episodes, visit positiveoutlooks.com.au or subscribe on iTunes. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Yorks Resilience podcast and I'm so excited to welcome Bridget Johns, the declutter expert here today. Bridget Johns is a city girl that moved to the country, vowing it would just be a year or two stint, and then married a farmer. She now happily lives on a sheep and cereal farm with her husband and two children at Alford, at the top of the York Peninsula. For the first 16 years of her career, she worked in state government and regional development roles, supporting economic development, wellbeing and engagement initiatives in education, workforce and skills development, and export and investment projects. In 2019, she asked herself a big, bold and audacious question, if time and money were no object, what would I do? Bridget's answer was to be a professional organizer. So Bridget jumped off the traditional career path and followed her dreams and launched Be Simply Free, a professional organizing and declutter coaching business in March 2020, just before the pandemic started. Be Simply Free exists to teach women to reduce their mental load by decluttering their homes, phones, calendars, and minds, so they can find more space in their homes and time in their calendars to collect moments and not things. Bridget juggles Be Simply Free part-time while also working one day per week for a local counsellor Council in an economic development role and two days per week for a not-for-profit organisation in a role that supports community development officers across 15 council areas. And I'd like to say a big welcome to Bridget today. How are you, Bridget?
1: Good. Thank you for having me.
0: And Bridget, I think our paths first crossed when you first moved to (laughs) York as a young city girl and working as a food industry officer. Yeah, food
1: industry development officer. Yep.
0: Awesome. How did you find the transition from city to the country?
1: Yes, it was an unexpected uh, career progression for me. So I was still studying university when I saw an ad in the paper for a FIDO, a food industry development officer with the York Regional Development Board back in 2004 and i sort of thought of it as a a practice test for writing a resume and doing a job interview because (laughs) i never thought that i would get it the job was based in maitland and i went to the interview put my best foot forward and i remember my future first boss saying um calling me up after the interview and saying how do you think you went and i said well i think i know all the theory but i just lack the practical experience and he said yep I think you're a green frog, but I'm willing to give you a go. And it's a bit of that sliding doors moments. Who, who knew that this would be the, the wonderful life I live? But um, yes, definitely love it. And being so close to Adelaide, I can get back to see family and friends anytime. And the open spaces of the farm's amazing now awesome awesome and tell us about the great love story how did it begin
0: with mr. farmer and yourself
1: yes so we met um, three months after I moved to the country so moving up in late to November 2004 I was finishing work about three o'clock on a Friday and coming back to the York Peninsula at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning so I could catch up with all my Adelaide friends and I thought if I'm gonna give this a red-hot go I need to spend some time in the country so I dragged all my Adelaide friends up and we went to the Royal Exchange Hotel on the weekend before oh, that was
0: the place to go yes wasn't it?
1: <laughs> Australia Day so when I was looking back through I met him on the 22nd of January 2005 and oh, wow yeah we were a group of girls and they were a group of guys and one of my friends uh, plucked up the courage to ask them to play a game of pool (laughs) So it was guys versus girls and they won they didn't let us win and we had to buy them a round of drinks and that's how we met but it was still three months before we actually got together because I thought I was doing that two-year stint in the country (laughs) and then I'd be off to Sydney or Melbourne or overseas. Uh, And I said I was never going to kiss a a country boy, date a country boy or live on a farm. So now I've done all three, but that wasn't the plan (laughs) almost 17 years ago.
0: Mr Farmer did well then. He swept you off your feet.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And you now live on the farm too, don't you? Yes.
1: We started in Wallaroo when his parents were still on the farm. And then uh, after my first child was born Um, we had a six months at home and then we transitioned out to life at Alford. Awesome awesome
0: and can you tell us more about Mr Farmer's love for Elvis?
1: (laughs) Yes we're not really sure how it started I think it's from his mum uh, watching or having the TV going with the midday movies on a Sunday <laughs> with all the Elvis um, musicals and shows on there but he's definitely an Elvis lover so much so that we have family holidays and as a family we choose where we want to go and the kids first wanted to go to the snow and then they wanted to go see crocodiles and then it was our choices to lead the choice of where we went and we went to the Parks Elvis Festival for a oh. family holiday in <laughs> January 2020 just before the pandemic hit, so oh, we're wow. grateful to be able to get away. But it was an amazing experience, and just to see the joy in his face walking down Parks Main Street in a white <laughs> Elvis jumpsuit <laughs> and my then eight-year-old son also rocking a white jumpsuit and all these people asking them for photos. It's, yeah. Oh, that would have been an it's, amazing It's experience. a happy and joyful hobby or love.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> um, When it came time to have kids, I understand why falling pregnant initially came a uh, early and easily there were some painful hurdles along the way.
1: Yeah so now as a professional organiser I suppose that common thread is I've always liked planning and organising and being prepared and I took that into the motherhood journey and was tracking temperatures and (laughs) all the things you could do and was very grateful to fall pregnant early on Um, but unfortunately I had a miscarriage with my first pregnancy while we were in Melbourne seeing the Australian Open So um, we'd had all the tests and blood tests and had an early ultrasound of the baby back here. But when we went to Melbourne, um, I had some bleeding and was, yeah, had to go through um, getting an ultrasound to confirm the pregnancy wasn't progressing, but uh, grateful that we were in Melbourne because we're able to go to an early pregnancy clinic over there and be able to be supported from there. And then, yeah, we, stayed in Melbourne for that time surrounded by my good friends that we were staying with and um, I was able to pass the pregnancy um, naturally but with a lot of pain Um, but then grateful that we were able to get pregnant within a couple of months after that Um, but then uh, that all went well and then planning again for Miss Seven we got a little bit of a scare that the 12-week scan showed there was a chance of trisomy 18 so i oh. had to have a amniocentesis with um her to see trisomy 18 has a five percent chance of the baby living past birth oh. um so Had to go in and have that giant needle in the belly. I don't think women have to really do that anymore there's blood tests you can do so you you don't need to do that but um, by having that injection to see if they have that abnormality you also increase the chance of miscarriage. But a a little story that goes along with that, talking about Mr Farmer, he came into the session wearing a uh, Superman um, logo on his top and he actually fainted watching the injection go into me. So I'm the one doing the big traumatic event and he fainted and had a code blue called on him because... He stopped breathing, so he had to go down to emergency and being at Women's and Children's Hospital, they don't treat males. so had to be ambulance to the um, Royal Adelaide Hospital. So, so are
0: you saying he didn't live up to the hype of the Superman T-shirt? Yeah, it?
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he would tell everyone, don't watch your wife get a big injection into her belly while she's pregnant.
0: <laughs> because you had that element of really um, needing to plan things, how did you handle it emotionally when the plan wasn't going to plan
1: yeah I think that was a good learning experience and probably helps in the parenting journey in a yeah, way because 100%. in a work environment you normally have procedures and yeah. processes you're going through or a leadership level you can talk to for ask for advice or someone that's been in that work role that um, you can ask for help but the parenting journey there's no rule book yeah. <laughs> there's no guidelines um, that it's find your own adventure, choose your own adventure yeah. in a way so it probably was a a little reminder. No one ever wants to have these things happen, yeah. but it definitely showed me that I could continue going forward and, yeah, yeah. appreciate the small things in life and... Yeah. Um, do what you can to control what you can but yeah would you say those
0: those small hurdles you had earlier helped you to embrace the unknown that comes with motherhood yeah yeah
1: definitely yep sometimes I still don't do that very well (laughs) (laughs) I think we all struggle with that sometimes don't we but yeah aim for that 80% doing things up to 80% that perfectionism doesn't work in life and definitely in parenting (laughs) 100% how would you
0: describe the transition to motherhood what what describing words or ways would you describe it
1: um it was a challenge um as i said being a planner wanting everything to fall into place sleep patterns didn't work <laughs> i remember it was from people talk about a witching hour ours was about four hours long <laughs> um sleep is a form of torture but definitely <laughs> experienced that as well so um i definitely find that it's letting go and yeah. embracing the unknown and there's so many beautiful moments in every day that we can be uh, grateful for and things change so quickly and you can yeah you're building a human life and our role as parents is to, to create um, functioning adults so yeah. letting them build their own personality and lifestyle their life is a, a great benefit of being a parent <laughs>
0: And I'm also guessing, Bridget, that you're possibly like me and have always been highly organised from a young age, almost a perfectionist, looking at the nature of your business. Um, Those closest to me know that I really like living a very organised and structured life and everything has a place in in my house. And if my house or my work desk is messy, my mind reflects that. Um, So for me, I swear by being organized and everything having a place and don't think i could achieve uh, the massive workload of things i do without that organization i just didn't know whether you felt the same yeah made you more productive as well
1: definitely and i sort of call myself a reforming perfectionist because it's it's forever we always try and go back up to that wanting everything to be perfect so i try and encourage myself and my clients to aim for that 80 percent like Gets to 80%, you don't need to keep pushing up to 20% because our 80% 80 is probably other people's um, 100% and it's, it's really about that done is better than perfect and when I talk to clients we really, when we're looking to declutter their home, it's getting into their mind first and finding out what that vision for their, their life is, their yeah. decluttered life, because when we can clear our mind we have the space to think and to work out what needs to stay and go.
0: Awesome. And I love that your decluttering business was a result of asking yourself one of my favorite questions. If time and money were no object, what what would you do? Yeah. Did you want to tell us about how you ended up being in that position, even needing to ask yourself that question six and a half years ago?
1: Well, both my parents are school teachers. I think so. Snap. You, <laughs> a few similarities <laughs> in our journey here, Bridget. And I suppose... Uh, back in their generation, that's a secure government role oh. that's your long service leave and their 40 plus year um, careers in teaching. And when I went into the regional development role, that was a quasi government role working with yeah. PIRSA. And then I moved into state government with the education department. And I did that for um, 16 years across those two roles and I thought that long service leave was that security by staying with one organisation or staying with the state government would be what would work for me. But when I really thought about it, they were all one or two year contracts and the stress that that brought on as you're coming to the end of a contract um, was really hard. And then the last government contract I uh, did, it was uh, five weeks into that role that there was a machinery of government change. So I moved from a role that was my strength and interest and passion around skills and workforce to supporting businesses around export and investment. And while I had the project management skills that were transferable across those two roles, what I really loved about skills and workforce where you're making a difference to a person's family tree that you are supporting a person to make a change in their life and empowering them to find their career path. But when I was working in trade and investment, it was all around the dollars and yeah. the millions. And then the businesses I was trying to help make those changes, their most critical need was needing more skilled workers. Yeah. So yeah, and that led me to, um be driving back from Adelaide crying because it just wasn't the right fit and I remember uh seeing a quote what was it um not all storms come to disrupt disrupt your life sometimes to clear your path and And that one is so true and it felt like everything was imploding but it was also freeing me from that expectation I needed to stay with state government yeah and then when I really thought about it and went back to what I wanted to do when I was a child, it was I wanted to be the visual or uh, visual merchandiser for the front of David Jones or oh, Myers. Do you remember those beautiful old uh, window displays? Yes. yes. And my first job in Best and Less, I loved presenting my department and having all the coat hangers lined up <laughs> yeah. and everything's in the right place and all in order from eight to sixteen. So when you really think back to what you truly love that was it for me and I asked the question and I said I'd be a professional organizer and from that moment on the 21st of May uh, 2019 and I've got it written in my journal I took baby steps to bring Be Simply Mm -hmm. Free to to life and yeah and it took till March 2020 to launch a business but it's been steps forwards and back to get to where I am now.
0: And that's what I often have a lot of clients who are procrastinating about wanting to start something new or a new journey and they're like oh it just seems the path seems too tricky I don't know how to get there I love that you said you just took one small baby step after another to you start moving in the direction that you really want to be
1: yeah and uh, the research I yeah, love to know the things so I joined the professional Institute of professional the yeah Institute of professional organizers and attended their yep. conference in yep. 2019 to learn more and talk to people doing this job I increased my skills around coaching by doing the Beautiful You um, Coaching Academy yep. training. Yep. And I was still working to with state government until July 2020 when I started the business in uh, March. And still to this day, I have a part-time employee job in my risk-adverse nature that I have security during a pandemic, that I have an employee job as I build Be Simply Free.
0: Are your parents in awe of what you're doing after they've come from that very secure employment of teaching.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're very big supporters and always um, cheering me on. And they're both retired now. And I see my mum using her skills and passions and building, um, transferring her passion for teaching into learning how to be an amateur photographer. Awesome. So we're awesome. always changing and evolving.
0: Awesome, awesome. And congratulations for being being brave enough to follow that dream too. Yeah, thank you. And I'm so excited to chat today about clutter as both emotional and physical clutter blocks the flow of energy and gets in the way of us manifesting our deepest desires. Clutter to me also represents stagnant energy. And I often find where there is clutter in clients' homes that there will often be clutter in the client's mental or emotional states as well. And of course, when we do the research, they say there are physiological effects of clutter as well, stress and increased cortisol levels that can become long term, feelings of shame or inadequacy, which I see a lot in clients. Uh, Clients often think that tidy homes are an indication of having it together and they feel a lot of shame, obviously, that you would see Bridget when Mm -hmm. they, they don't feel like their homes are organized and structured Um, another psychological effect of clutter is distraction from focus that kills our productivity i know i struggle from that when there's clutter anywhere in my life Uh, also a negative psychological effect of clutter is behavioral effects for ourselves and our kids uh, and it was interesting to read they can say that noisy crowded homes characterized by a lack of routines may undermine children's ability to regulate their emotions and behaviors and may provide children with opportunities to act out. Is that some of the side effects that you see Bridget?
1: Yes definitely um, and going to the last point around the kids things and routines and what they can see in their environment if you think of when you walk into a supermarket or a busy shop and you need to make a decision about what you're going to buy. If there's 20 options, it can seem overwhelming to make a choice, but when you've got five options which have spaced out and clear expectations or um, explaining what they are, it's easier to make an informed decision. And it's the same with kids and their toys. We think we're giving love by buying more for them. but. Uh, studies have shown that kids can actually play longer and on their own and be more creative when they have a smaller amount of toys to play with so we're not talking about not having toys but limiting the options Options. they have and maybe toy rotations or something like that and that's what we want to give our kids that power of creativity we definitely take that out of them as they grow older so let's give them some opportunities to be creative as they go along and we talk about kids but that's the same for adults as well oh, 100% too much choice with our wardrobes but realistically i'm sure we most of us are using about 10% of what yes. we have in the cupboards and i keep i know <laughs> i've got a big well, I've got a few wardrobes full of clothes and
0: I'll keep rotating the same ones, like yeah. my favourite ones, and there's all these unused options in there.
1: Yeah, so I love working with clients. And as I said, it's really around that mind declutter first and helping them build that decluttering and organising muscle. And we start with some easier things and then wait for till we've built that muscle Stronger, Like exercise. You can't yeah. do a marathon straight off the bat. So yeah. let's start with a 100-meter walk, and that's the same with decluttering. Let's declutter a cutlery drawer first before we go through those sentimental photos. And I love coming up with a vision for people's lives so they can... Um, Take baby steps to find the home and the life that they want to live and not what everyone else expects them to do
0: Yeah, that's awesome. and That's why I was so excited to have you on board today Uh, Something I've noticed with so many clients is as we start to clear their emotional baggage Often find the next step is they start to physically declutter their homes and they'll come along and say Oh my gosh, I started to get my house more organized or clean things out So I'm I'm really excited to have you here today so we can talk about some steps on that process So tell us about the Stop Focus Notice concept.
1: Yeah, so that's a key strategy I talk with clients. I work with them either one-on-one or in group programs or workshops or in my online course. And Stop Focus Notice is something that clients will hear me say over and over again. So it's about stopping doing the same thing over and over and again and expecting a different result and focusing on what the actual problem is. So that could involve writing it down, talking it through with someone else, if there's someone else involved, actually explaining it to them. Because a lot of the times, as you said, we hold things in our head and don't verbalize them or explain them. So really get to the bottom of the problem. And then it's about noticing what your options are with dealing with that um, issue or problem. And looking at some high cost options low cost high time low time and see what you could do because a lot of the time we don't spend the time to see what we could do and then it's about trialing one of those things so giving something a go and maybe talking to family or someone else about being a pilot that we're not looking to make long-term change straight off the bat and we're going to try something And give some time to try it but if it doesn't work go back to that list or start from the start again and stop focus notice what could truly um change in your home so for example in our home when uh, mr farmer comes in the back door being a farmer he has so many things in his pocket there's normally sunnies on his head and a hat (laughs) and he would just dump it on our island bench and it would drive me nuts (laughs) and i'd start by putting it away for him But that would just mean he didn't recognize that was an issue for me. So that's our food preparation area. There's probably chemicals and dirt and everything on there. So when I stopped focused and noticed and spoke to him about that we looked at our spaces and came up with a system that suited us both yeah cool. so as in most country farmhouses the back door is the front door <laughs> it's the one everyone uses and that goes into our kitchen and there's a side of our cupboards right there so we put some hooks on there so he could just put his hat on awesome. literally as he walks through the door and the top drawer which is traditionally the cutlery drawer we made that a uh, a launch pad or a junk drawer so he'd open it up literally dump anything from his pockets in that top drawer and that would be um, away hidden and also had a clear space and less clutter for me to see and that works well for us but the flip side is when you walk into anyone's home you assume the top drawer <laughs> is their cutlery drawer so when friends come a visit they're like ah your drawer's the <laughs> second drawer But I also say to clients, set your home up for your family, not your visitors. So we all know that's where the cutlery drawer is, so we naturally go to it. But, yeah, everyone else is like, oh, I always forget when I come to your house. I love (laughs) that you brought that up with Mr Farmer and
0: said that that was driving you crazy as well. I bet he had no idea, did he? No, I hadn't thought about it.
1: it. And then that also is about communicating it. Mm, 100%. our father-in-law comes out to the farm quite often and he'll normally bring things from their place that we need to have he would also put it on the island bench which is the natural first place that he gets to but I was also asking him could he just put it on the kitchen table which is just a bit further over so we we need to remember not to get frustrated at people they might not understand what's going on in our head and if you actually just say oh Would it be possible when you come in to place it in this position? You talked about having a place for everything and a home for everything. Yeah. Communicate that with other people as well so they know where it is and it reduces your overwhelm and stress.
0: And that's what I speak to clients so often about is actually speaking up because as women we often suppress it, don't say it, and then we become more resentful. I just think that's such a beautiful example of the power of speaking up. And can you describe the difference for us of being organised versus decluttered?
1: Oh, hang on. Can you describe the difference between being organized and
0: decluttered? I should yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, so while the common term for our industry is professional organizer, I try and talk about being a declutter coach because we can be organized, but organizing feels good in the moment and it can all be lined up. Everything can be in rainbow color order, but it takes a lot of work to do that. So I focus on people decluttering things they have that'll make life simpler and there's less things to tidy up and declutter as well so it's about making permanent changes decluttering whereas organizing is a bit more rearranging and continually adjusting things so when things leave your home you're more likely to have that clear space so what do you truly need use and want and if it's not serving a purpose in your life maybe it's time to let it go Hmm. and that will take some a while for people to make those decisions so it's not about decluttering everything at once even now as i've decluttered our home there's new things that i'm like well we still haven't used that maybe now it's time to go and i'm probably a good seven years into my journey so everyone's version of a decluttered home will look different and that's perfectly okay awesome
0: And I love your don't keep up with the Joneses as one of your key methods connected to decluttering. Did you want to unpack this further for us?
1: Yes, it frustrates me so much when everyone wants the same thing. And it's natural. We are humans and we want to copy what other people are doing unconsciously as well. But it can put us on the trap of feeling like we need the latest clothes, the latest car, the bigger house... But if you have a bigger house, you have more storage space and more space to keep things. And like your handbag. I just got the <laughs> handbag, and I'm
0: having the same issue.
1: Yeah, and we have to remember our society has changed so much in the last fifty, hundred years that we didn't have much money or need to have yeah. so much stuff, and we had six, ten people living in a house, which would probably be a quarter of the size of the houses we're living in now, and we have just expanded what we need to fill the spaces we have and things have become a lot cheaper as well. So that's why I encourage people to think about that vision for their decluttered life, their decluttered home. And when you can be sure of what you want, it's much easier to articulate and say, no, let's focus on this. For us, it's those collecting moments, not things and making space for family holidays. We can still do that. uh, Currently being in South Australia, we can have those smaller getaways but we want to have a stress free retirement when we're older as well. So we consciously even talk to the kids about potentially we're eating out less than some of their friends because we're wanting to save up for that family holiday or um, yeah, we're wanting to save up for their schooling or the car they're wanting to buy when they're older. So if you can remind everyone in your family to stop keeping up the Joneses, there will be less stuff in your home, Less things you need to clean, because when we have more things in our home, it uh, takes longer to clean Mm. and tidy and you have more time, precious time to collect moments, not things. Mm, I love that.
0: And all your tips to me also represent that we're creating space to be clear on what we're searching for and what we're wanting to create in life, too. It just helps give that, yeah, the clarity and the space to make those things happen. Now, Bridget, can you please tell the audience about your famous 444 wake up ritual?
1: Yes, I... I was looking back through my Instagram posts of how I adjusted to getting up earlier. So my alarm goes off at (laughs) 4.44 in the morning. And when I looked back through, I started that adjustment from getting up just before seven in 2017 to getting up at 5.45 in middle of 2018. And it was in August 2019 that I changed my alarm to 4.44. And that was after reading a book called The 5 AM Project by um, Robin Sharma. And the idea is you start. You get up just before five, so at five o'clock you can start and re- move through your morning routine. And I sort of thought, why do we always do everything on quarter hours or something <laughs> like that? And if I'm gonna get up at a ridiculous hour, I'll pick a number that looks prettier on my clock. <laughs> but then one uh, on one of my posts, you actually wrote that, what did you write? I think it was, you have nothing to fear in regard to life and work and divine purpose. That was one of the yeah. angel meanings.
0: So I, I remember Bridget, posting about this 444 wake up ritual you are hearing that correctly it is 4 (laughs) o'clock in the morning with 44 minutes past and it caught my attention right away because clients of mine would know I'm quite big on angel numbers and 444 is a distinct angel number and I couldn't help but message Bridget and say hey don't know if you know this but this is an angel number and what it means and I actually googled it today before the meeting uh, before we record this podcast and it made me laugh because I thought this is Bridget all over. So when I Googled it, the first meaning I popped up uh, and I thought it represented Bridget perfectly it says 444 means hard work and determination. The angel number 444 also deals with balance and security. It represents home, its solid foundations and the warm and calm feeling it evokes. Angel number 444 vibrates the message of responsibility and practicality as well as honesty and wisdom. Yeah,
1: and I had another Google this morning as well and some things were around... Think forward and plan for your future self and planting that seed of your future. And when I looked back in August 2019, that was yeah, just after I'd said I wanted to change that career trajectory and move into Be Simply Free. But what getting up at 4.44 means to me, and I 100% do not recommend it for everyone, it's about working out what that number is for you. But for me, it's about giving myself the best of me, not what's left of me. So giving love myself the best of me in the morning rather than what's left of me, left of me at the end of the day. So in the morning, I will get up and go for a walk um, around our farm. So I look like a minion because I'm wearing a head torch. Oh, and I walking... hope
0: everyone can see this picture of the head torch one day.
1: <laughs> Maybe after you post it, I'll share the, <laughs> yeah. the head torch picture uh, on an internal road on our farm. So no one will be driving past me. I'll feel safe there. And um, that's for my mental clarity rather than for physical exercise. And it really sets me up on a strong foundation then i come home and um, maybe do some reading or in the early days that's where i built be simply free around my full time or um four day week role. i'll make time to have a nourishing breakfast get myself ready showered and dressed for the day because i was finding when i was waking up uh, just before seven and getting myself ready when the kids were getting ready it would increase my frustration and the kids would not be doing what they needed to do i'd be yelling and it wasn't a harmonious morning but when I looked after myself first before they get up they get up at 707 again why do they have to get up at a a 10 or a 5 or something so I have from 444 to 707 generally by myself sometimes the kids are up to fill your own cup yeah fill your your own cup up and people probably don't think they can get almost two and a half hours of um, filling up your cup time in the morning but I wake up when the kids wake up they see a smiling, happy mum rather than a grumpy mum. So that's why I did it and that's why I continue to do it. Other people might find that time at the end of the day, but it's being intentional and aware of what you want and what that decluttered life looks like for you. Where can you find that time in your day? Yeah. And another concept I was excited to chat with you about today is that I have quite a few
0: clients who pass through the clinic at times who have issues with cluttered homes and letting items go. And as emotional beings, we have the tendency to infuse our belongings with an emotion. And I feel in many ways we perceive these items as being an extension of ourselves. And often as we've explored this clutter concern further with clients, they often find it difficult to let their emotions go, which may be symbolic of perhaps a past relationship or events of the past. So I love that you're helping clients therapeutically, emotionally also, almost as if releasing the past. And there is even scientific evidence to support the negative feelings we get when surrounded by clutter and the positive feelings achieved when decluttering as we discussed earlier. So what are some tips that you have for those who don't know where to start when it comes to decluttering?
1: Yes I definitely encourage and people will see on my Instagram finding that one percent of your day so we've got uh, 1,440 minutes in a day and how can you find 14.4 minutes to just start Mm. and those first things you should look at are the everyday clutter items so resetting your kitchen uh, doing the dishes and the laundry these are things that we call um, everyday clutter because they'll continue to move around your home you're always going to have food and dishes you need to wash you're always going to have clothes to wash when you can make looking after that part of your life a habit it frees up space physically in Mm. your kitchen and your laundry and sometimes your spare room when that's where the the dirty or clean clothes go once you've built that into a habit you'll have more uh, time and space in your home to declutter that accumulated clutter so that's all those things in the top cupboards of your rooms or in those boxes that you've got in the shed that you moved five years ago and have never unpacked. And also those sentimental items. So there's a lot of different books and strategies out there like Marie Kondo and the Home Edit and things oh, like that. Oh, I love
0: Marie Kondo. Yeah.
1: So definitely with Marie Kondo, she says, those sentimental items are the things we declutter last. So what's an easy thing you can start with? Yep. As I said, it could be just going through your cutlery drawer. Mm. Do you need 20 knives and forks in your cutlery drawer if yep. you live on your own? Yeah. Do you need to have all that Tupperware <laughs> in your cupboard? And asking yourself, when's the last time I used it? How do I use these things? Um, are they in a place that I can easily access them? Do they actually have a lid? Is my yes. question. Yes. <laughs> well. And it's about building systems into your life that then turn into automatic habits so you can start the process and yeah it's everyone's a bit individualized so when I work one-on-one there might be a certain focus that someone wants to work on maybe their office space or their bedroom or the kids clutter and we start where they are and um, take those baby steps to make change in their home and remember that once you've started your 15 minutes or a quarter of your day already into that declutter process and take those before pictures and after pictures you might think that they can just be for you you don't have to share or show them to anyone else but when it starts getting hard you can look back and see how far you've come
0: I've had a few clients that have done that actually the before and after picture I think it helps add to that sense of achievement after to be able to look how far it's come yeah definitely And did you want to tell our listeners how to get in touch with you, Bridget, and what you have coming up? I know you've got some exciting developments coming soon.
1: Yeah, uh, my website is besimplyfree.com.au and that has some free blog uh, information that people can start their decluttering process with. It also shows how we can work one-on-one together over a three-month process because... I can definitely go in and I also can go into people's homes on the York Peninsula and do a physical declutter with them but my favorite way to work is over a three-month period probably similar to your um, counselling and coaching model and make that long-term change and help them one-on-one but I do have a online group uh, course starting on the uh, what is it, 21st of June, so uh, later this month. And that will be over eight weeks, and it'll be clear clutter, find time, because I think time is our most precious asset. So we'll be going through setting yourself up for success, the decluttering steps, a step-by-step guide to decluttering your kitchen, your bedroom and your clothes, some of those storage spots, like your linen cupboards, your junk drawers, your spare rooms, sentimental items, kids' stuff. Offices office and paperwork, definitely around that digital Mm. and paper clutter and what you can do with that newfound time, your Mm. me time, your family time, your couple's time, because these are all important things that you can craft time for in your life and make a positive change and yeah, yeah find that time by clearing that clutter. Yeah, that is
0: awesome, Bridget. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been such an inspiring chat. I love that we both help declutter clients' lives in different ways. You help declutter clients physically and I declutter emotionally. And I feel like together we could be quite the superhero. But in all seriousness, I appreciate that no matter whether our clients start with your business or the physical step of decluttering or start with emotional decluttering through my business that either method is going to help clients to find the space and clarity to manifest their deepest desires and I think no matter what starting point that they will organically lead to the other also whether that be physical or emotional decluttering. Interestingly I've got another description written down of the angel number of 444's meaning too. and I've got 444 spiritually signifies a higher purpose standing for honesty, health, determination, success, inner wisdom intuition and confidence and i think after everyone's listened to this podcast today they will agree that that um signifies bridget perfectly so please say hello to mr farmer from the (laughs) podcast um community for us so we'll include a photo of Mr Farmer and Bridget on the social media as well for everybody to have, have a look at. So
1: I think, you. yeah, that will be at the Park Zelbers Festival with him in the, the white jumpsuit. Very happy to be there awesome. on the side of a stage. <laughs> awesome.
0: I think everyone will enjoy checking that out.
1: Thanks so much, Bridget. Thank you.